there is one life, one infinite, ultimate presence in the universe. In all space and time, there is only that one. That one life, that one power, that one presence is God. It is the divine. It is absolute perfect joy, power, wholeness, abundance, wisdom. It is peace and perfection on every level. And I know that this power and presence is here in this room within each one of us. For we are created from that image and likeness. We can be none other than the divine. And so as we breathe, as we speak, as we express the divine, I know that each of us are doing so from that deep place of knowing who we truly are. I speak my word this day for this service. I know this service is already blessed. It is a divine idea in the mind of the infinite, and therefore it is being expressed absolutely perfectly. Every word that is spoken, every note of music, every interaction is God expressing more fully through us through this center. And because of who we are, we express more fully out into our community. There are many of us. There are many names for the divine. But there is only one. I'm so grateful to know this truth. I'm grateful to know and to be in this truth, to live in it. And so in this gratitude, I release these words into the action of the law, knowing it is already complete and perfect. And we can anchor it together by saying, and so it is. This whole year, we're looking at a series called uh, Spirituality in Action, how to take our, our spirituality and take it to the streets, if you will, put it into action. And this month, we're looking at um, compassion, the theme of compassion. How can we be compassionate? And so we define compassion as sympathetic consciousness of others' distress, and that's part one, together with a desire to alleviate it. That's part two. So we have an awareness. If we don't have an awareness, we're kind of... We tend to not have a whole lot of empathy, right? Yes? Yeah. You know, we usually call those kind of people sociopaths or just, you know, whatever. You know, we don't have a whole lot of empathy for anybody else. So we have to have that awareness of others' distress or others' challenges or others', you know, pain. But it's not just, that's not enough. Just being aware of it, just, oh, I care about you because of your pain. It's also the desire to alleviate it. And so that's what we're looking at this, with this uh, talk last week and today is how do we alleviate it? So 
Last week, we took a look at how we get into poverty slash conflict. By poverty, I simply mean where we are living outside of our heart's desire, our authentic connectedness. How do we get into that kind of a poverty? How do we get into conflict? Before we get into the specifics of what we looked at last week, we need to remember the challenge or conflict or resistance are necessary for our growth. Take a breath. They're necessary for our growth. You know, I, many of you know I used to be, be really involved as, as a hardcore cyclist. And when I was ramping up for a, a larger event, a more challenging event, I challenged myself. I pushed myself. I experienced greater resistance. You know, I, I've told the story many times that, that, you know, a friend of mine who is from South Florida and I were out bicycling in Snoqualmie came around this bend and right in front of us stretched this about a half mile long, pretty good sized hill. And I went, oh, good, a hill. And she went, oh, God, a hill. Right? And so it's, it's our perception of that. But we need that challenge to push us. I love climbing hills because it gave me a challenge. It gave me a push. And I felt a deep sense of satisfaction when I got to the top of it, and especially if I beat somebody getting to the top of it. What can I say? So this challenge, this growth is necessary. It stretches us. It strengthens us. It helps us discover new dimensions of ourselves and each other. You know, people in a relationship don't really realize that they're in love with each other until they've gone through their first challenge together. Right? Yes? Okay. You know, you, find, you have an argument and you realize it, you survived the argument. The relationship survives the argument. It's like, oh, I can trust this person. We can get through this together. You have your first child, you go through sleeplessness and, and, and all the adjustments of having a child, and, and it's like you suddenly realize, I can count on you, you're not going to bail. And so we have these challenges, we have these conflicts, but they help to stretch us, to strengthen us, to grow us. The problem comes when we personalize a challenge, when we take it personally, right? See, the butterfly doesn't say to the cocoon, the butterfly, you know, becomes... You know, the, the, the caterpillar transforms into a butterfly, and then the butterfly has to struggle and fight its way out of the cocoon. And there's been a scientist who's tried to cut, it, cut the butterflies out to see what would happen, and they don't live. They don't have the strength. But the butterfly doesn't say to, to the cocoon, why are you doing this to me? Or, oh, God hates me. Or, I was born to suffer. It, it doesn't do that, right? I don't think. The universe is not against us. The universe is not against us. However, we can experience it as being against who we are not. Because the universe is here to live itself through us as our authentic self. And when we are out of alignment with that, then it seems like the universe is against us as it's trying to bring us back into alignment. The universe is here for a greater expression of life, capital L, life, of its own nature. It's here for that. And we can be ignorant of the nature of the universe and the process of it, but that ignorance doesn't excuse us from the consequences, does it? Just like if you're working with electricity and you don't know how it works, you know, if a little kid sticks a knife into the, or a fork into the light socket, they don't know anything. Electricity doesn't sit there and go, oh, you don't know anything about that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shock you. No, you get blown apart, right? Or 
tingled or whatever, you know. Electricity just works. The universe just works. So we can be ignorant of the nature of the universe. We can also even choose to work against its nature. Anybody besides me? You know, you, you heard the song, I Fought the Law and the Law? Yeah. Capital L Law. In either case, the universe is just being itself. It's just being itself. And we experience conflict because either we don't know how it works or because we willfully or unknowingly choose to operate against it. The universe is just being itself. With any resistance, we experience heat, which shows up for us as struggle. So last week, Reverend Carey talked about the four winds of conflict. And the first, the first one is a sense of separation. We believe we are separate. And we experience that. Gary Simmons, who wrote this, this book uh, called Eye of the Storm, which is where we're, what we're working out of today, says that, that this is an effect of imperfect caregiving environment. As Reverend Carey said last week, most of us were not raised with parents who said, you know, you are the Christ in form. Thank you for being here. I so love you. And how can I support you in being who you truly are? How many of us grew up with that? I'm going to keep my hand up. Anybody? No. Okay. You know, I grew up in the Catholic Church where I believed I was an original sinner, as was everybody else. And the nuns liked to beat the sin out of you, you know. And I had a mother who kind of agreed with that. So we get this sense of separation. We feel disconnected from God, the universe. We feel disconnected from ourself, both our, just our, our authentic self. We feel disconnected from ourselves. We feel disconnected from others. We feel disconnected from the planet. And we feel disconnected from life. Anybody besides me ever been there? Yeah. Okay. So that's that sense of separation. That's the first of the four winds of conflict. The second one was misperception. Misperception. She's a cool lady, misperception. Thank you. We have to recognize that we bring our own beliefs, our own filters to any situation we look at. And we don't see it clearly, but we're certain we're right. Okay? I'm right about that. I'm certain I'm right about that. So that's the second one, is misperception. We, we don't see things clearly. Every one of us brings our filters to everything. You can't help it. It's just part of life. We bring our conditioning. The third of these is competition. There's a winner, there's a loser. And competition is based on the belief in limited resources. There's not enough to go around. And so either I'm going to get mine or I'm going to be a martyr and let you have mine. I know none of us have ever done that, but you've seen people do that, right? Okay. And then number four is defensiveness. And defensiveness really is an effect of the previous three. If I'm feeling separate, I will get defensive. If I'm misperceiving things and I'm thinking I'm right and you're having a different perception, I will defend myself. If there's competition, I will defend myself, right? So defensiveness, defensiveness is kind of the warning bell that says if I'm in a defensive position, then I must be somewhere in the four winds of conflict. Okay, you're feeling defensive. Take a breath. So that's the awareness of our distress. 
When we talk about compassion, that's the first step, is the awareness of the source of our distress and where it comes from. Now let's look at the desire to alleviate it. And then what I call the four zephyrs of wholeness. A zephyr is a wonderful, pleasant breeze. I have an image here, a picture here on my, on my mind map of, of a windsurfer, right? And so a wind can either be a, a storm that blows us apart and blows and is destructive, or it can be fun, something that we, do, we have fun with. We windsurf in, we fly kites, we do all, we go sailing, all sorts of stuff, right? So these are the zephyrs of wholeness. Before we get into those, I want to, we, we must first realize that we are not our experiences. Got it? I am not my experiences. Our experiences are effects of how we are using or directing our energy. We have experiences, but we are not our experiences. If somebody is mean to us and tells us that we're not good enough, we've had that experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Does it mean that I'm not good enough just because somebody says I'm not? No. I am not my experiences. So our first zephyr then, our first attribute of wholeness is communion. And communion can be thought of as common union. We're in a union together or being connected. And being connected can be being interpersonally connected. It can be connected to that spirit within, to our own inner self, our own inner being. And it's the truth behind separation. See, each of these is, you might say, an antidote for the, the matching one. So when we feel separate, what's important is to remember, wait, the truth is, I'm already whole. I'm in communion with the one. I'm in communion with myself. And I take the time to remember that. See, we're always in communion. That's the truth. We're, every one of us knows that we're connected to and one, uh, and, and one with everybody else on the planet, right? But we don't always feel that, right? Yes? Okay. But we still are, aren't we? Whether we feel like it or not, we are. And at the same time, we will benefit by taking time to grow in our awareness of that connection, of that communion. See, it's like being in a relationship. If you're married, you're always married. But it helps a lot in the relationship if you take a little time to work on the marriage, right? To support, to express love to each other, to you know, go on dates together or whatever. It takes time to work with that. It benefits right by it, right? Okay. So it takes time. So taking that time to work on the relationship, taking that time to be aware and to to um, to not be stuck in the place of separation. Gary Simmons tells a great story that, that his, uh, he came home from a week-long business trip and his wife said you know, to him, you never take me out to dinner. Anybody been there? You never? <laughs> um, you've been on one end or the other of that? Okay. You never take me out to dinner. And Gary is sitting there thinking to himself, of course I take you out to dinner. I, you know. So he, he, being a guy, compiled a list of all the times and places that he'd taken out for dinner. And then presented it to her. And as he said, he won the argument. He was right. And he got to make her wrong. That's what competition. Okay. But what he missed was what she was really saying. She wanted to be connected. He'd been gone for a week. She wanted to be connected. Now, she didn't ask it in a skilled way. 
Has anybody here besides me ever asked for something in an unskilled way that you really want? Okay, good. Just hoping I'm not the only one. And so we ask for that. We can ask questions like, tell me more. What do you really need? What do you really want? And start to ask and investigate that when we come up to a situation like that. To increase our awareness of connection, of our connection, we have to let go of two things. Number one is judging self or others. Judging other people, judging myself. Now, this is different than discernment. Discernment is just being aware of what's happening without an emotional attachment to it, right? Judging is, you're a, fill in the blank, I'm a, fill in the blank, okay? And the other thing we need to let go of is taking others' judgments personally. Take a breath. I've, talked, I've told the story several times about, you know, as I'm celebrating my two-year anniversary, a month after I arrived here, there was a person who used to be part of the congregation who came to me and said, you know, you're a lousy minister, you're not my minister, you're, you do this, 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 and I'm not going to go here anymore. Okay? It was an unpleasant conversation for me. I woke up the next morning, and I went, thank God. Because she said, and I'm going elsewhere. My last church, all those kinds of people, they stayed and continued to tell me how I was a lousy minister. (laughs) Now, I listened to what she said, and I asked myself, where's the truth in this? Is there any truth in this? And there's a couple of points I said, you know, yeah, I can improve on that. Okay? But I didn't take the overall judgment. I know I'm a good minister. (laughs) I know I'm good at this. I love this. And so I know I'm good at it. But I, don't, I didn't take it personally. As my ministerial mentor said when I, when I talked to her about that afterwards, she said, so did you look at her and say, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you? I said, no, I didn't say that. But we don't take the judgment personally. We can listen and say, is there something I need to learn here? But I don't take it personally. And I hope that person's happy wherever she's going to church these days. The second zephyr, is principle. It's standing with principle, capital P principle, the way the universe works, the the God qualities, if you will, of the universe. What is the truth to be perceived here? What is the capital T truth to be perceived here? It's, It's the idea of seeing it right, not trying to make it right. And so in order to see it right, what we oftentimes have to do is let go of our perception. So Gary Simmons, in his interchange with his wife, had to let go of the perception that she's criticizing him and calling him a not good enough husband because he never takes her out for dinner. Because that's not really what needed to be perceived there. Right? What it really was was a cry for love, connection, just renewing that. So it's important that we take the time to say, I am willing to see as spirit sees. Because I recognize that my own perceptions are always clouded over by my belief systems. And that I never, none of us ever fully perceive anything. So can we take the time to step back? And sometimes we have to sit there and go, I understand that this is perfect in spirit's mind and I have no idea how it is. We've encountered situations like that, right? And guess what? Sometimes we just don't know. And we have to be okay with that. We also have to be careful because we add meaning to things. 
I think I talked a couple of weeks ago about my friend Reverend Heather Venegas had mentioned that a bird had flown into her house through her, her open door, looked around, and then flew back out. And she goes, what does this mean? I just on Facebook. What does this mean? And one person said, well, according to Irish beliefs, you know, that means that somebody's going to die in your house soon. And another person right after that said, that's a blessing by the bird. And I said, it means the bird flew into your house and looked around. We add meanings. We create meanings. There, there may, doesn't have to be any other meaning than that. It just happens. What happens is we personalize and attach to our meanings. Somebody does something to me, and it means this. It means they think I'm lousy. They think I'm stupid. It means, you know, it means whatever we want to attach to that, Right? And then we lose our community with self and we lose our connection with principle. So instead, if we ask, what is the quality or inner resource that I can bring forth in this situation? What is the God quality? What is this deeper truth of me that I can bring forward in this situation? That's a higher level question to ask. And it's never about the outer situation, right? It's never about. I think it's the Course in Miracles that says we're never angry for the reason we think we are. Take a breath. I hate that one. The first step in, in Buddhism's Eightfold Noble Path is right understanding or right seeing. Before we can do anything else, and, and the Eightfold Noble Path is the way out of suffering, the, before we can do anything else, we have to perceive things correctly. We have to perceive things from that spirit point of view. So that's the second of the Zephyrs is working from principle and perceiving from principle rather than from our filters, from our beliefs. The third Zephyr, then, is living on purpose. There's that wonderful saying that if you, if you don't know where you're going, you're, you'll, you'll end up there. <laughs> living on purpose, it's the truth in the midst of competing values, goals, and needs. If I know what my purpose is, then I don't have... I'm not pulled so much by competing needs and all that. And all that. I'm not pulled by that. Because I can say, this is my purpose. I got really clear on this on my vacation because I had something that was kind of pulling on me. And I said, no, my real purpose, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I'm 68 years old. I've gotten to the point where I realized that I might not be on the planet for, you know, 100 more years, right? You know, when you're 15 or 20, you know, you're going to be here forever, Right? But by the time you get to a certain age, whatever that age is for each of us, you become aware of, oh, I'm going to die one of these days. I have a limited time here. What do I want to do with that time? What's really important? And I finally decided that eating chocolate really is my priority in life. No, it's not. But we get clear on what is our life purpose. When we're clear on our life purpose, and our life purpose ultimately for each of us is we have come here to be the Christ in form. We have come here to be spirit, the Buddha mind, the Tao in form. Right? Yes? We have come here to be our God self on this planet. All the rest of it is, is fun or, or not fun. We've come here to be ourselves. And we each bring our uniqueness, our unique flavoring, if you will, to what that means. 
right? As an artist, I can sit there and say, I want to make a painting. Make a painting. I might love to do landscapes. You might like to do seascapes. Somebody else might like to do um, uh, still life. Somebody else like, might like to do figure painting or portraits, okay? But we bring our own flavor, and then we can get unique in each of those. We're, but we're still here to be the artists of life, the Christ in life, the Buddha mind in life, the Tao of life. We're here for that. What does that mean for me? And start to live with that. What is my Christness in life? I'm here to be that. Yeah, I can have fun. I can drive me out as I can eat chocolate. I can do all the other stuff. But if you really narrow me down and say, okay, you got to do this, it's, that's what I really want to do. As some of you can probably guess ministry is my passion in life. So as we understand our core purpose, we can ask, am I in the way of being the Christ Tao? Or am I in the way of my Christness? Am I building a wall or am I building a bridge? And so we can look at any situation where we feel like we're being pulled in multiple directions and say, wait, what's my purpose in here? What is the capital T truth of this situation? What am I being called to in this? A practitioner, whenever you work with a practitioner, will always ask you, what is it that you really want out of this situation? What is it you really want? Yeah, you got all this drama and story going, what do you want? What's the center of that? And so for any of us to start to say with that, what is the center of it? What is the, the, the truth, not the circumstance in the story? And then the fourth zephyr is my favorite one. Non-resistance is fertile. Danny, what was the Vogon? Non-resistance is what? No, that's, that's the Borg. Resistance is useless. For those of you who don't know the Vogons, they were characters in, in um, uh, Kitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams' wonderful book and, and radio show, and finally a movie, as they were destroying the Earth on their way to building a, a space freeway. We were just in the way. That was the first chapter of the book. Resistance is useless. So non-resistance is fertile. Just as in electricity, when there's no resistance, we have the full flow of electricity. So when we're not in resistance to the nature of the universe and the nature of who we authentically are, guess what? The full nature of who we are flows fully. We can be that. So when we practice staying in communion, when we practice seeing things from a more expanded perspective and recognizing that it's not just our, when we live fully on purpose without competing needs and values, then the energy of life flows through us easily. It doesn't mean there aren't still challenges and there isn't still growth, but it flows. It's like me when I was riding up that hill. Okay? I was experiencing the same gravitational challenge as my friend was. We weighed about the same. Okay? I was a lot skinnier back then. But I was having fun. It was effort, but it wasn't struggle. It wasn't suffering. And there's a difference. When we realize there's nothing to defend against and no one to defend, take a breath, because we get caught up oftentimes in causes that say we need to defend this against that, these people against those people, all that stuff, that's a perception of duality. That's a perception of competition. That's a perception of disconnection. 
And so we have to go underneath that and say, how can we have, what is it that really wants to happen here? What's the real core truth that is trying to be expressed? When we realize that we don't have to defend and there's no one to defend, and I have a note here that goes totally against our social conditioning, but our social conditioning is what got us into most of the situations we're in now. And so maybe it's time to try something different than our past social conditioning of how things should work. Take a breath. Maybe it's time to change the focus from the outer, what's out there, to the inner, and allowing that to express. From believing in circumstances and enemies and villains, the victim, rescuer, persecutor triangle, for those of you who are familiar with that, to recognizing a oneness that is all-pervasive and creating from that, creating from that awareness. So I invite us to take that time this week to do that. So this week, two, two spiritual practices. Number one, pay attention. Pay attention to what's happening within you. Number one, if you're feeling or acting defensive ever in a situation, one of those four winds of conflict has been triggered for you. And just notice that. And, and once again, how many people have ever had one of those four winds of conflict ever triggered in your life? Put your hands up. Everybody look around. See, everybody else's hand is up. Okay, we all do it. My hand is up. I can put both hands up. I'd put both feet up, but I'd fall. If we're feeling defensive, ask ourselves, what's out of line? Am I feeling separate? Am I feeling judging or judged? Am I misperceiving? Am I adding my meaning and then determining that I'm right about it? Am I feeling pulled in competing directions? Am I looking for people or circumstances outside of me to validate my worth? Am I looking for people or circumstances outside of me to validate my worth? Take a breath. So pay attention to that this week. Just notice when you, if you've moved into defensiveness, just start to ask that question. And then number two, take time to be in communion with the one. See, it's like if you're building, if you're, if you're in a storm, the best time to prepare your house for the storm is in the middle of the storm, right? No. You do it ahead of time. Well, it's calm. So we take time to be in communion with that one. We take time to view all of life, including ourselves, as connected and from a principle-based perspective. What is the God quality that wants to be revealed here? We can practice that. The, the, the world gives us plenty of opportunities, if we don't have anything going on in our lives, plenty of opportunities to look at situations out in the world and say, what is the spiritual truth that wants to be revealed here? doesn't mean we have to run out and do something about it, but we can start to practice what is the spiritual truth that needs to be revealed here. Maybe I can hold that in prayer. And we take the time to deepen our, your, our sense of purpose. Why am I really here? What is really my calling to do? If, if my life was, was put into a situation where I had to say, you know what, this is what I'm here to do. I've got a limited amount of time, and this is what i got to do. This is why I came here. This is what I want to do. This is my heart desire. This is my core. Know that. Take the time to know that. So those are our two spiritual practices this week. Pay attention if you're feeling defensive to what's going on. Start to, start to ask, which of those four winds of conflict, those winds of conflict am I caught up in? And secondly, take time to practice the four zephyrs of wholeness. Are you willing to play with that this week? Yeah. That wasn't a real enthusiastic yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. 
trust me, it'll shift how you are in the world. And it'll shift how you are with yourself. To start to pay attention. It's not always pretty. We, a lot of us, you know, I, I mentioned in, in the talk that I wrote last week, I don't know if you, I can't remember if you said it or not, but that we like to be happy, happy, joy, joy. A lot of times. But we have to look at our shadow side too. We have to dig in the dirt. You know, if, if you're planting a plant and you realize all the plants I plant in that spot are not growing, you might want to take a look at what's in the dirt, right? And so we have to start to look at our own shadow side. And it's not pretty. But we also offer then the alleviation to it, the antidote to it. I want to close with a quote from the Tao Te Ching from chapter 76. People are born soft and supple. Dead, they are stiff and hard. Plants are born tender and pliant. Dead, they are brittle and dry. Whoever is stiff and inflexible is a disciple of death. Whoever is soft and yielding is a disciple of life. I invite you to be disciples of life. Take a breath and let's move into prayer. And so I remember this one. This oneness in which we are all one. This oneness whose only agenda is freedom. Its only agenda is the expression of its own nature. And its nature is life. Its nature is love. Its nature is wisdom. Its nature is beauty and joy and peace, power. And it expresses that nature opulently, abundantly, lavishly. All we have to do is look around the universe. Look around the planet. And we see that lavish expression of this life energy, of this oneness, this one nature. And so I know that because that is all that there is, that one, that one is all that there is, and there's nothing outside of that. I know that each of us, then, is one of that. We already are one of all life. We already are expressions of life, of love, of brilliance, of wisdom, of light, of power. We are expressions of peace. We are expressions of beauty. We are expressions of joy. That is our true spiritual nature. It has to be because there's nothing else but that one. And whether we remember it or forget it, turn against it or or allow it to flow freely, we still are. That is our core nature. Emerson said, we are inlets and we may become outlets to the divine. And so we are always inlets to this true nature and we get to make the choice about how we are going to be outlets of that. And so I speak my word that today we choose to be outlets of this life, of this love, of this joy, of this beauty, of this peace, of this power of spirit. We choose to be abundant and opulent and generous in our expression of that. We choose to let go of the places of resistance, the points of being out of connection with each other and with ourselves and with the universe. And instead, we recognize the truth, our already nature of being one. One with this one, one with each other, one with our, within ourselves. We are this already. And so we recognize it. We live in communion. We live from this God's spirit-centered principle from understanding that. We live in harmony. And we allow that life to flow through us. We say yes. 
And so I'm grateful for all the blessings that this brings in our lives and in the world around us because as we live this way, we shift everything outside of us. We shift this planet. We say yes to this flowing energy that we, that keeps on going no matter, no farther than wherever we even know that it goes. And so in gratitude, I simply release this word into a law that says yes and moves it into form and expression. And so I simply know that we do live these lives. We do say yes, and that there is a blessing and a benefit both to us and from us in this world. And it is already so. It is already happening. We say yes, yay, amen, yippee, skippy, and so it is. Today, I was the only teen. And so I had a talk with James who's not here at the moment. And we talked about how people can be poor spiritually or physically. And we learned about how perspectives and assumptions about other people's situations can affect a lot on the decisions we make in life. And that can affect everything that happens later on in the future. And we talked about a lot of things that we assume about leaders in the past and how things in their life that could have even minorly changed could have made a big difference in how we see them and how our world is today.